the Holy Gospel according to Matthew chapter 21. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Next week, Sunday, we will sing and sing and shout and sing Easter's word, the word that we haven't sung or said for all of Lent because it's the loftiest word of praise the Christian church knows, and so we're saving it up to sing and sing and shout and sing on Easter because there's no day as worthy of our loftiest praise as is Easter. That word, of course, and I won't say it out loud because it's not yet Easter, Easter's word is, read my lips. Today, the Sunday before Easter, Palm Sunday, the last Sunday of Lent, today, and you've already figured this out, today also has a word that we sing and shout and shout and sing. Palm Sunday's word, not whispered, but shouted is, Hosanna! 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 Let's be clear. Hosanna, in one sense, is a line that just means a word of praise, like, but it's not just that. It also is a word that in its original, well, it was actually a Hebrew word derived from an Aramaic word, it meant, save us, we beseech you. Let's be clear. On Palm Sunday, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem to do precisely that. He is coming to respond. He is coming as God's response to what is more than a prayer or word of praise one day. It is a prayer, and it's not just a prayer of the day. It is a prayer of the generations. Hosanna, save us, we beseech you. Rescue us, we ask you. Deliver us, we implore you. As often can and does happen with words, however, though save us, we beseech you, is what Hosanna literally originally meant and still meant when the crowd shouted it, it actually by that time had also on that Palm Sunday started to mean even more than that because by the time it was shouted on that Palm Sunday, that was a word that had been wrapped in centuries worth of history. History which now reaching 
forward filled the air of that first Palm Sunday and filled the hearts of those Palm Sunday crowds with expectations. And these were high, high expectations. These were Hosanna in the highest heavens, heights, kinds of expectations. What expectations? Well, let's talk about that. We'll start by talking about the fact that what the crowd actually says, says Matthew, was Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a quote from Psalm 118, which in its original use was said and sung when a righteous person, richly blessed by God, would come to the temple in Jerusalem to worship, and the priests at the temple would acknowledge that person's righteousness and God's blessing upon them by saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Those same words from Psalm 118 were also shouted at what was called the Jewish Festival of Booths. And when it was shouted then, it was done so while people waved what were called lulaf, which are made of palm branches. And during the Festival of Booths, Jews remembered how the God who had delivered them up out of Egypt had also provided for them in the wilderness. By the time of Jesus, however, Psalm 118 and its hosannas had developed a connection, remembering more than a deliverance from Egypt and provision in the wilderness by God and being more than a liturgical frame refrain with a righteous person who came to the temple in Jerusalem in the name of the Lord. By the time of Jesus, Psalm 118 and its hosannas had developed a connection to the coming of the Messiah, the righteous person who would be sent by God to Jerusalem to again deliver, save, rescue God's people now to provide for them forever. And so when the crowd, Matthew says, waved palm branches and and quoted Psalm 118 by saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they were doing more than quoting psalms. They were saying, singing, shouting, here is the Messiah we were promised and for so long have been waiting for. Hosanna, save you, rescue us, save us, deliver us. Jesus. High, high, very high expectations sung and shouted, and there's more. For example, the crowds didn't just quote Psalm 118, Hosanna, blessed to see who comes in the name of the Lord. No, according to Matthew, they added another phrase, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Son of David. They called Jesus. Remember I said there was long and lots of history wrapped around the shouts of this day? Well, speaking of history, David had been king in Jerusalem 1,000 years earlier. And David was remembered as the greatest king Israel had ever known. And David had been promised by God, said the prophet Nathan, that one day a descendant of his would be enthroned to reign over God's people forever and ever and ever and ever. Matthew, in chapter 1 of his gospel, traces 
Jesus' earthly genealogy through David. Matthew in chapter 2 points out that Jesus' birth fulfilled a scriptural prophecy by taking place in Bethlehem, the birthplace and hometown of David. And now in chapter 21, Matthew tells us that the crowds welcomed Jesus to Jerusalem, which was the capital city established as such by David. And they welcome him as son of David. Add up all the Daviding going on here. And what we see here is that the crowd, and Matthew telling us about the crowd, clearly want us to understand that in their understanding, Jesus is not just the Messiah who is coming to save and deliver them. He is coming to save and to deliver them by being like David, their king. And with Jesus being welcomed excitedly, not just as the Messiah Savior, but as the Messiah Savior King, we see that in the eyes of many in this first century kind of flash mob, that this is not just a religious revival meeting. This has become a political rally. And political rallies get noticed by more than praying, praising people. Political rallies get noticed by political people. Which adds to this story a messy bit of not just intrigue, but also danger. Because noticing this crowd whipping itself into frenzies of excited hopes are one, powerful, politically religious people, and two, powerful, politically, political people, all of whom see this and all that's going on as dangerous and threatening to them, to their core values, to their core allegiances, and to their power. What did Jesus think, do you think? Actually, Written between the lines of the details in this story, Matthew pretty explicitly tells us, at least in part, exactly what Jesus is thinking. I'm talking about the fact that Matthew completely explicitly tells us that Jesus' entry in Jerusalem is clearly orchestrated to take place according to details spoken of centuries earlier by the prophet Zechariah when he described the entry into Jerusalem of the Messiah who would be their king. And how did Zechariah say that the Messiah and king would enter the city? Riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And who is it, Matthew says, who who orders, get me a donkey and her colt? Jesus himself. What does Jesus think of the fact that he is that the crowds think he's the Messiah coming to fulfill promises by coming to Jerusalem as Messiah and king to save them? He thinks actually more than this, he knows that they are absolutely right. Just that he also knows. He knows for a fact that they are absolutely and also simultaneously wrong. Because Hosanna, save us, we implore you, they shouted in both praise and prayer as Jesus entered the city heading for the temple. But what they, most of them, wanted to be saved from was Rome. 
whose troops garrisoned at the Antonia Fortress in Jerusalem right beside the temple, watched over the temple and its courtyard from above, representing the authority of Rome and Rome's Caesar, who from his throne at the top of both Rome's political and religious hierarchies ruled. And he did so harshly, oppressively as a rule, as well as harshly, violently as needed. Hosanna, save us, we beg you, the crowds shouted in both prayer and praise as Jesus entered the city, but what they most of them wanted to be saved from was Rome. And who they wanted to be saved by was a king who as violently as needed would get Caesar and his oppressive throne above them and Caesar's oppressing soldiers all around them the heck away from them. Which is to say that when these Hosanna shouting crowds most wanted was for Jesus to be a Messiah king who was just like the world's kings but more so. So that their kingdom in the corner of the world could be a place where they could be forever free whatever it took, even if what it took was violence. And here is where our dear friend, Irony, rises to observe that in being a Messiah and a king who would precisely not be the type of Messiah and king whom many in the crowds were longing for, but rather being a Messiah and king whom many in the crowd and most in authority would soon violently mock, abuse, torture, and then kill, he would in fact establish a kingdom where his own would be forever free, whatever it took even if what it took was violence. Even if the one the violence was violently directed toward was he himself. Which takes us to our second lesson for today from Paul's letter to the Philippians. It's a lesson which considers a a section of words, includes a section of words which many scholars believe aren't actually composed by Paul, but they're actually a section of words quoted by Paul, words which everyone in his audience would have already known because they were, they were from an old hymn, even though he doesn't say that. It's kind of like if I started going, amazing grace, I wouldn't need to say, well, that's from an old hymn because you would all know that that's from an old hymn. There are many scholars who think that these words from Philippians are actually words of an old hymn. Some think it might actually be the oldest Christian hymn that there is. It's a hymn praising a king, a king above all others, except that he didn't get to be up above all others by lifting himself up over others in order to get there. He got there by climbing down to others to lift them up and to keep on doing so even when the lifting got to be very, very heavy lifting. Indeed, he kept doing what he came to do even when the lifting got to be as heavy as a cross. Philippians 2, 5 to 11. 
Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you were here Wednesday, we practiced this. Amen. Were you not here Wednesday? Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. Amen. Yet here he comes. Through crowds acclaiming him as such to Jerusalem and the Roman world and to us and our persistently violent world. And he's humble midst the clamor. And he's not mounted on a war horse, but on a donkey. And he is clip-clopping toward Thursday and a meal with lamb and bread and wine and history and promises and heavy on his mind the weight of the knowledge of all that tomorrow would bring. And then would come Thursdays, tomorrow, Friday, and a cross, and the Lamb, and body, and blood, and heavy on his shoulders the weight of the cross, and heavy on his soul, the weight of the sins of the entire world, including the sins of Jerusalem and Rome and you and your enemies. Sisters and brothers, as we this week watch him and go with him as far as we dare, let us see not power that is the world's kind of power disillusioning us once again as it does all that it can do, often violently. Let us see true power doing all that it alone can do and what it does it's all with is self-giving and sacrificial love. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes to us in the name of the Lord. Save us, we beseech you. Amen.